and welcome back to the Intercall Podcast. My name is Flair. I am your host, and this is your destination to learn how to connect with self, to the intuition information that I know exists all around you in the world, ready for you to receive, ready for you to bridge up through your physical and mental self into conscious awareness. My belief is that intuition is everywhere, and the moment that it becomes consciously available for you is what we are interested in. Right? The information exists, but are you open to it? Is it working for you? Are you available to all the information out in the world that's hoping to help you live your most expansive life? My guest today, Nadia Carta, has 100% opened herself up to that information in the world, and I'm grateful because she's a Google exec and you wouldn't necessarily expect a Google exec to be open and honest about how much intuition that they use in their life. But Nadia 100% does. And so I found this to be a very hopeful conversation because if someone like Nadia is in the Google exec rooms, if she is having the meetings, if she is helping that company expand, you know, then thank God, because she is truly a very intuitive woman. I found this to be a hopeful conversation in so, so, so many ways, but also Nadia is a very like breath of fresh air. I just enjoyed her so much. Nadia grew up in Sardinia, which is a tiny little island. And one of the reasons I really wanted her on the podcast is I had listened to a TED talk that she did. And in that TED talk, she describes a moment where she was a little girl and a teacher asked her, Hey, Nadia, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Nadia's answer was, I want to work for a big corporation. And she was like, I don't know where I got that from. I'm from Sardinia. There are more sheep than people on this island. And yet now she works for Google in New York. And if you can't, I mean, you can't get bigger than that. If that's not a global company, you know, corporation, what is? So we talk about manifestation. We talk about the link that intuition has to manifestation. And now Nadia not only works with these top leaders in the world, but she also helps other people step into careers that are really meaningful for them. I think it's an incredibly important conversation. It is inspiring. Nadia talks about the things that she has done in her life that have really allowed that alignment within self. And we go deep into a couple of very key takeaways that you can also place into your own life to just make more room for your intuition. So enjoy this delightful conversation with Nadia Carta. And I will see you back here next week for part two because we are splitting this podcast into two parts once again because it was so juicy and so good that we couldn't fit it all into one. Thank you for listening to the Inner Call podcast. I hope that you are also finding your way to your intuition and trusting it more every single day. How are you? I'm good. It's early morning. You're in New York. Where, where are you located in the world? I am in Lisbon, Lisboa. Oh my God, Lisbon is absolutely gorgeous. So temperatures are still amazing there. I mean, it's 38 today. It's a little hot, but it's... It's okay. Well, I'm a Euro- I'm Italian myself, so I definitely Europe feels home, and we traveled all over the place. Lisbon is absolutely amazing. It's uh, so warm. Yeah, that's what I was reading about you, that you're from Sardinia. Right? I am. I yeah. was born and raised in Sardinia, yeah. Yes. And I know that there are policies to attract immigrants and get more people to live in Lisbon are pretty innovative so 
It's true. Yeah, they're trying to cut back on it now. I think they attracted too many people. The job worked too well. <laughs> oh, wow. I kid in a sense, but yes, there used to be massive incentives. I know the country went through quite the recession. So there was like a deep need for tourism and the influx of foreigners. But now the cost of living actually tripled in two years time, this last two wow. years. So I think at the moment they're trying to find a balance. Wow. I've heard a lot of Americans that decided to move to Lisbon. Yeah, it's true. I somehow, well, it was quite popular in Europe, I think, before it was popular in the US. Yeah, that's true. But somehow I I got on that wave before everybody else got on the wave. And it has been quite strange to, to be like, wait a second, why is everyone all of a sudden coming to Lisbon? Which I had felt like was a completely random choice. But maybe there was an energetic flux towards Lisbon to begin with. It's a very interesting city because it's growing so rapidly that I think there's a lot of innovation, there's a lot of potential, there's a lot of entrepreneurship. It draws a lot of people that maybe have desires to build something, create something that they don't necessarily have the room to do anymore in New York, London, Paris, especially if it's like a mom and pop desire. So I think it's a really interesting city to be in right now because the the expansion and the innovation is is very interesting. Yeah, and I mean everyone can run a business globally. We all learned with COVID that you can be everywhere and with just your laptop and an internet connection and you can build incredible things. And so it seems that a lot of people are taking advantage of that and making things happen that way. Absolutely. Is there any desire for you to leave New York or are you very happy? You know, we arrived here three years ago and I work for a corporation. So even while I'm building also my side things, my primarily nine to five is that I work for Google and there's a lot of desire, of course, to bring people back in the office because that's how you create culture and how people eventually uh, have a sense of belonging. I mean, for now, New York truly gives me all that I need, also energetically speaking and the opportunity and the people. It's such a vibrant city. I was just saying to my husband yesterday when we were driving through Times Square, I mean, Times Square at night is something that is absolutely unique. I, I'm not sure, probably Bangkok is similar. But I said, if this energetical level is something that you like, it, it, this truly isn't any other place in the world that gives you that sense. We're three years in. For now, we're very happy. I love that. Yeah, I love New York. There is nothing like it. I agree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That fire, even when you are walking past through, past through the West Village, you feel it. And it's mostly also the people. It feels that for those of us that love to be in creative mode and you're looking for people to partner or encouragement, everyone is always doing something in New York. Like people are always hustling. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it and it can go into overdrive, but then it can also be incredibly inspiring. And it's the, it's the finding of the balance. But I'm curious, actually, to go back to what you said, you just noted it when you said when we entered New York, it felt like we were here for a while. This podcast is all about intuition, the inner call, this idea that we have in our exchange energetically with our environments, with ourselves. And so I, I actually want to start there with this knowing that you Speak about, I think many times in your work, the sense of knowing you were going to leave Sardinia, 
the sense of knowing you were destined for, well, in this case, another island, but the mainland, if you will. What does it look like today when you entered New York and you say it felt like we would be here for a long time? What is that experience for you? Yeah, uh, it's such a good question. Thank you for asking it. Quite timely, on Monday for the first time, I went to a session to talk to my spirit guides. I came out as an intuitive person only a couple of years ago. And New York gave me the freedom to do that. And the reason, the way I interpret it and I eventually rebuild the pieces is that because in New York, everyone can be who they want to be. And because it's such a free of judgment city, people are welcoming of whatever decision you take about your identity. And on top of that, because there are services and things for everyone, the moment I started putting into the universe that I wanted to connect with more intuitive people and that I wanted to explore what this part of my life was telling me, it started coming. It, it literally I became a magnet for all of these people that wanted to talk about these things uh, to the point that now I have a membership in a spiritual spa that was showcased in the Sex in the City Revival episode. I was like, oh my God, so timely. And, and I started unpeeling and peeling and unpeeling. And whomever does energy work. So I started doing my first Reiki session with my healer. I started uh, working with crystals and I started reading cards. And I eventually, how can I explain this? You know that sensation where you're doing something and you are okay with it. And then you're doing something else and you feel so good. You feel so uplifted. You feel so energetically happy. And this is how I found out because I said, okay, I said, when I'm at work, I'm very good at my job and I've always been very successful and very performing. So it's not that I was unhappy. I was good. And then I saw the difference of how much better I was feeling in my body and in my brain when I was in connection with this other element of my life. And the difference between the two made me realize, huh, there's something here that I should explore. Again, not because the other made me unhappy, but because the other one made me extremely more fulfilled and satisfied. I love that. It's very true. Both can be true, you know, and, and you speak about coming out as an intuitive person, which, which sounds a little bit like coming out of the closet, which I definitely equate to how has, I guess, what was like, what was your biggest fear about it? You work for Google. So that makes a lot of sense. You got corporation, you got logistical black and white, but what about it made you wait that long? Well, so it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a kind of a complex question, right? So I grew up uh, in the Jehovah Witnesses. My mom, uh, rest her soul, she passed away 10 years ago. She was very, very into the Jehovah Witnesses community. And so she raised me and my siblings to be part of that community. And then when I was 18, I set myself free. I escaped to college and I said, goodbye, everyone. I don't want to hear anymore about structured religions. And so for the following 18 years, until I was 36, let's say, 
I had a complete repulsion for everything that was associated with dogma, spirituality. I was like, this is not for me. I've done my fair share. Honestly, like, go away, right? Like, the the opposite. And also because whomever is part of those very restrictive community will know and resonate that they push away everything that is not, it's not codified in their own set of rules. So I grew up with my mom telling me that all the stuff that were intuitive were demons and Satan and very like pushing it away and all those things we don't do to the point that this is in my lineage, like one of, like I believe both of my grandmas were actually intuitive. I actually believe that also my mom was intuitive and she was absolutely brainwashed. And so she never got to find her powers. And so when I, so I've always pushed it away, but I knew I've always been attracted, but scared because I was like, I don't even know how to explore it. Right. I know that I, I've always been very attracted to astrology. I've always been attracted to uh, witchcraft and things like that. And then because in New York, again, I was able to talk to people and, and, and eventually book around, I found out quickly that you can be intuitive and not being busy in singing to the demons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this typical imagery that there is in movies of very extreme clans and things like that. So I started unpeeling and peeling and I found out the word of healing and it all started as a healing tool for me, for my soul, for my heart. And I found, I started to find solace in these processes and almost maybe consolation. I mean, especially during COVID when we were all seeking for more. I was like, okay. And then from there, I started really analyzing my life. And I've always been very, you know, on the realms of manifesting and vision. I'm, I'm a very visual, intuitive person. Like I can go to places very quickly. Even on Monday when we did the session, you know how there are people that they don't see anything? I see. Like if you tell me, close your eyes and go in a place, I go super quickly and my body transcends, I'm there, I experience, it's very powerful. And I I understood that I was using that all my life, even when I was probably 15, when I wanted to expand, I was transcending myself and I was painting the future and then I was leaving that future. and. I now came to the understanding that it's possible that that is one of my powers. I'm still exploring the degree of the things that I can do, but surely one of them is making the future happen. And so that for me is something I need to be also very careful in painting the things that I want rather than the things that I'm scared of. Mm. So, you know, when they say careful what you wish for, in my case, is real. Because when I wish it, eventually it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. I, I also just want to see what you think about this, because I personally, in, in this work for a while, 
now look at intuition as it can be part of a spiritual practice, but in nature, it doesn't have to be spiritual. It's truly just energetic information that gets translated up through us, which is a tuning fork. So some of the most non-spiritual, quote unquote, people that I've ever worked for are some of the most highly intuitive. They could be CEOs of corporations. They could be very money hungry, if you will. We would look at them and go like, they are not spiritual on a quote unquote basis, you know, from our lens. But some of the most intuitive people, like they make decisions where people are like, why would you have chosen that? That doesn't make any sense based on the data. It goes against the flow of what should be. So I wonder too, if even while you were in that 18 year period of time where you were like, oh, I'm against spirituality from the very notion of trauma and, and your background, if the intuition wasn't still flowing. Oh, I'm sure that the intuition was flowing because otherwise I cannot explain how I've been so blessed in my life. When I look back at each of the things that happened to me, I have days that I'm I'm like, I don't even know how am I still alive. I had fa- I faced situations that from a personal perspective were extremely risky. And even at work, I took decisions that probably other people would have never taken. I decided when I was, well, first and foremost, when I was 18 and I decided to go to college, I took that decision with no money in my pocket, completely by myself, with no one supporting me or even being there. And then fast forward, when I was 26, I went to Dublin by myself and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go. A few years later, I decided to go to Paris. All the travel that I did by myself and all the situations that I found myself in, probably even in danger because of how life it is and how even coming to New York during COVID, uh, it was June 2020. And one morning, I I decided to pack all of our house and ship it to New York in a container without even knowing if the government at the Homeland Security at the port of entry would have let us in. I've always taken a set of decisions that now that I look back, I'm like, hmm, okay, well, that was an intuitive decision and it went well. And so I, I, I do sit down and... Now, now that I know this pattern, right, I do sit down and connect and, and see, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what to, to, what to do, but it feels good. Or I'm just going to go with the flow. Like in July, I've wrote, I wrote an entire book, 200 pages in five days, because my hands were just going. My head, so I wasn't on a holiday with my family, we, we were with our relatives, and I said, you know, and other people could say, oh, I'm just going to sit down and relax by the beach. But then my head was pumping. I was like, you got to write this book. You got to write this book. And I sat down I sat down, and I wrote it. Look, there's a lot of research because I'm also very, as you pointed out, being a corporate individual, I do have this rational element on me. I'm a Virgo starting today's Virgo season, Mercury also entering retrograde. So there's a lot going on in my, like my birth chart is kind of interesting because I have this crux between the rational, the spiritual, the intuitive, and the more 
you know, by the rule. I would say we have that in common. So I completely understand. Yes. That's amazing. I love that. And I started reading a lot of science associated to this. I recently found out that at Harvard, there is a divination school. Uh, there are a lot of new neuroscientists. My favorite, my favorite is James Doty, but also Dr. Uberman. There's a lot of material out there that is now proving that humans, we are energetical vessels and that our influence doesn't stop at our body and the things that are coming out of our mouth, but that we are all connected. And that when we walk into a space, when we walk into an environment, it's not only us, but it's us and our energy. And I've been reading this book lately that is called The, uh, the, the Theta Healing. It's about those healings through the brain waves. And the woman even says, if we can call people on their mobile phones across the world by using waves of energies, how come humans would not be able to communicate with telepathy of any other way that is not aided by visuals or by, you know, phones? So, look, I continue to explore. If I could, I would probably do a PhD in those matters just to study. I believe there's so much more that we will have to find. I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah, I was actually, I was working with a research institute last week. I was in Budapest because I, I also actually studied neuroscience in college and then went to the root of mediumship. So highly, highly curious about this realm. And I was talking to one of the researchers and he and I were discussing the latest Oppenheimer movie and how quantum mechanics has really been around since, you know, 1930s. But what's really interesting is our entire school system and really all the researchers that came after that period of time have built their research according to a space-time continuum, which we're at this point really seeing a lot of error in, in that like space and time are not limitations any longer. So he was like, I think our next boom of research will be the idea that we're taking away the parameters of what we once thought consisted of the universe we're taking away space and time, right? Which is such a like mind blowing thing to think about when you realize all of our study has been based on those facts that we thought were unchallenged. And now we, we just can't agree on a theory is really what's happening at the moment. But there is that sense of like, we know it's not correct. And yet we don't know what the next step is. And I think like that's where all of this new research is coming in. I think I had even Alexander on this podcast a while back and he's a neuroscientist too. And he pretty much said any well-meaning student of neuroscience at this point, if they don't believe there is something outside the physical has just not read the research. So I think it, it is so interesting. It's this like moment of time where I'm so excited that you are now bringing that into, into corporations like Google, right? Because I think that's kind of the last frontier of this. Even science is kind of getting on track, but I love that we also have people who are really in effect creating our future, which is AI, which is technology, which is Google. I mean, one would hope that you're also doing it intuitively. I mean, I'm not alone. Every day at Google, I find more and more intuitive people around me. And when we start talking about this conversation, 
we're always like, oh, another one, oh, another one, oh, another one. And I mean, I believe that even the word intuitive is going to evolve and is going to probably mean many more things. And I also believe that humans have tried to explain a lot of things rationally and scientifically because when something is unknown is scary. Uncertainty is unpredictable. If we think about how financial markets work, if we think about medicine, people are always looking for certainty to make decisions because we need to mitigate risk. And there's a lot of things in there about forecasting, what are the uh, tools that we need, what are the means and all of that. And if you think about women as well, back in the days, no one could explain why women were getting pregnant. Uh, no one could explain why women were having her period. I've recently read another book that back in the days, I mean, we're talking about medieval times, people would not even be able to explain why the moon was big or small or new or full and, and they were thinking it was magical, scary events. And so... But nowadays, it makes sense. We know that the moon goes, uh, does the round of earth and we know about the sun and all of the other things and we know why women get pregnant. And so I could only assume, and I'm very excited for my daughters because if I think about the world 150 years from now, what else research is going to explore? Now, this is a polarizing conversation because... The world right now is divided in two groups. There's the group of the pessimists. I just, uh, we were just this weekend in Vermont and we were talking to some of our friends that is highly pessimistic. About AI and technology and the economy and all of that, or just? Well, overall the world, even if we think about global warming, waste management, and uh, the availability of planet Earth to sustain and all that is going on in, in that sense. And so that's the pessimistic group. And then, I mean, politics, if we think about it, and, you know, the gloomy picture could be there. And then there's the other group of the optimistic. I'm definitely on the optimistic ones because I say, wait a moment. So we are in an unprecedented times. The level, like the access that we have to technology, to tools, and honestly, our younger generations are... I find that the people that today are between their 20 and 25 are way more advanced of when I was 20, 25. Like their brain is going so fast. When I talk to a lot of these youngsters, the things that they talk about are so futuristic and everyone is so eager to create. There's never been more access to education. There's never been more access to resources. And we finally understood, which was not true in the past, that we can do a lot more for the planet. Like even knowing that if you plant more trees, there's going to be less global warming. Hello. This was not true 20 years ago. And so I want to believe that all that happened until today was meant for a reason, like it happened for a reason, and that humans aided by artificial intelligence, have a unique opportunity to transform further 
and and save us like we are we can save ourselves absolutely and i think we've never asked more questions which then also means we're hopefully aligning ourselves to more answers <laughs> but you're, you're right i think there's never been a time where we are contemplating more issues more problems there's an entire world that has an opinion on it, right? Like we're connected now, so we know what's going on. I too am optimistic, but I can see where that optimism is hard to hold on to for some people. Well, there's a lot of discrimination still. You know, we are in a world that is divided. There's a, a lot of population that doesn't have access to things that here in America are normal. There are billions of people that still needs to think about what are they eating on their table? What is the food that they're getting to their children? And I think about the levels of pollution and waste in uh, some of these countries is still very, it, it's still super tough to address, right? Like if we think about all that is going on, I mean, I live here in Battery Park in Manhattan, probably one of the most amazing places in the world. Of course, I'm, I'm extremely privileged and I recognize my privilege because, okay, I would say it's easy for me to, to speak about these things. And at the same time, I also, I also do something and I, I continue to do something to change the systems where I can have some impact. And I even responded to this friend, the pessimistic one, I said, if you're so passionate about all those things that you have this pessimistic view, what is keeping you from running for governor? I said, if... I said, if he, if wanting to change, I have another friend now that she's running for for a seat in California at the Senate. She's so she's so passionate. She's like, you know what? I'm gonna try and do something. So I feel that eventually in life, as the individuals, we have two choices. It's very black and white. One choice is that you can worry, and you can be bothered with things where you have zero control on. You can cry on it, you can blame people, you can complain, and you can choose to live your life with those low vibrations in a miserable way. It's a choice. And then you have the choice to raise your vibration and to act and live from a place of calling and purpose and intuition that is creating something in the world. Now, from the place I am right now, I won't be able to solve the waste management problems in India. I won't be able to solve all the problems of millions of moms in Africa that they don't have any tools for birth prevention and things like that. What I can do, though, is to impact the people that I can touch around me I can put my message out in the universe and create more resources and create more abundance for me and for those that I can influence. And then I can decide to reuse and repurpose those tools that I'm making in service of this bigger cause. And that's how I decided to, to leave. And that's how I decided to make an impact in the world. Because honestly, worrying about things that I have zero impact on, it's going to make me sick. It's going to make me miserable. And honestly, it's going to make me not a good person to be around with. And so I feel that each of us at one point have a choice. 
And every person cares about causes that are different. I deeply care about women health. I deeply care about health in general because I lost my mom to cancer that she was very young. I deeply care about mental health because I feel that we're all a little bit under pressure there. And I care about parenting and raising children that are going to be set up for a better world. And so I try to do things in those areas. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Don't forget, subscribe. If you are one of the people that listen to our podcast and we actually got stats back, like 70% of you listen and you're not subscribed and it would just be the best gift to subscribe. So click that little button so that you can be a subscriber. You can be an innie at the Intercall Podcast versus an Audi. Come be an innie at the Intercall Podcast. So subscribe. We would really appreciate it so that we can bring more guests, bigger guests, Guess you love. Thanks for being here. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.